when we bring consent in and when there's like constant setting and resetting of expectations mm. throughout that process, it can be really empowering yeah, for you as a absolutely. salesperson and for the person who you're yeah. having that conversation with. Welcome back to Money Making Women. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to make more money without leaving their integrity behind. I'm Ray Dodd, a money coach and mentor, and my favorite thing in the world is seeing people who have either underestimated themselves or have been underestimated by society make more money. Hey, lovely humans. Thank you, as always, for listening to my podcast. Before we get into today's episode, which was an absolute joy to record, by the way, I'm really excited for you to all hear it. I just wanted to let you know about a special offer I have coming your way. My new pricing workshop is free for a limited time only. So if you're interested in that, pop to the show notes now and head to the link to grab it. Obviously, don't forget to come back and listen to the episode because you're going to get loads of goodness in that as well. But I know pricing is a huge issue for so many of you. And so I wanted to create something that would help you price with kindness, compassion and without that ick that so often comes along with it. If you're listening to the podcast this week or the week that it was released, then the workshop is totally free. If you're coming to this a bit later, sign up to my newsletter and you should find an offer there for it at half price. I hope you enjoy it. It's not a workshop that's going to give you a formula. Instead, um, because as I say on the workshop itself, there's loads of places you can find that. Instead, we're going to look at what you need before you even get to the formula. We're going to look at the feelings that come into pricing, the societal conditioning that comes into it, all the sticky, icky bits that leave us feeling really stuck when it comes to how we price our work. So like I said, head to the show notes, you can get access to it straight away. It should be in your inbox within minutes of you um, saying, yes, I'll have that, please. Right. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. It is so, I'm so happy to have you here. I was just chatting to Katie before we started saying that this is, podcast is such a nice opportunity to be like, oh, I like the look of you. Can we have a chat and let's make some content out of it? So I'm really excited to be chatting to Katie more. Um, Katie's the founder of the Squirm Free School of Business. I took this from your Instagram bio because you've got good Instagram bios going on. So, and they help uh, non-conforming industry leaders master Squirm Free Sales and Coaching, which is obviously right up my street. I actually discovered Katie in a US-based membership that we were both in and I remember reading a post you won't even know this reading a post you'd written and being like oh oh my goodness and that person's in the UK how exciting is that because it's quite rare to find people talking about this stuff in the UK so I was so excited to see that and the more people wherever they are to be fair talking about this stuff the better and I'm sure the way this is the way you work as well there's no kind of competition feeling for me if you're talking about this stuff I want as many people as possible to be talking about it Katie Can you tell us a bit about what led you to where you are now? Because you started off as a copywriter, am I right? Yeah. How did you get to do what you're doing now? Oh my gosh, right. I'm so excited to be chatting and thanks for having me. And yeah, when you said about connecting inside of that group and spotting someone else from the UK, I'm 100% with you. I'm like, when I see someone else kind of doing what we do, who's UK based I'm like (laughs) oh must remember them but yeah thank you for the intro so my name is Katie Prince I use pronouns she and her and I have dubbed myself a squirm free sales coach meaning that what I love to do more than anything is to teach 
other service-based entrepreneurs primarily how to sell their services, be it done for you or done with you services or coaching, consulting, memberships, courses, etc., in a way that feels squirm free. For me, like squirm free is a phrase that tries to encompass all the things I want people to feel freed from Mm. when selling their services. Um, So free from shame, free from feeling icky, free from comparison, free from being like the sales cliche, you know, the Matilda Wormwood's dad kind of trope. And you know, and also being free to be themselves throughout that process. Perhaps we'll get onto this later, but I think there's so much like follow the leader in this online world. And with sales, it has to be authentic. It has to come from you. And with everything squirm free, this is going to sound super cheesy, but I kind of see it as a journey, not a destination. And yeah, it's a work in progress. That's that's kind of the point. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but to kind of like answer your question about sort of how this all came to be, how it came to pass. So before going out on my own, I was like an in-house marketer, like in with all kinds of hats on. I sort of work for independently owned businesses, everything from like a grassroots music festival in the UK, mm-hmm. organic retail, software as a service, marketer, social media manager, sales trainer, all kind of interchangeably. And so when I first went out on my own, it was actually as a freelance copywriter, as you mm-hmm. say. I always love writing. There's something just really magical about being able to articulate yourself and move people and inspire them to take action and then you just leave it somewhere and you don't have to be there all the time for it to be creating an impact and so yeah I started out this was in like end of 2017 beginning of 2018 and I was writing for brands that kind of had a primary customer base of women but who were wanting to make themselves more inclusive mostly from a gender perspective so Mm. speaking to queer women and speaking to folks across the gender spectrum and kind of including other genders and what happened was kind of funny because I was I think I was pretty naive Mm. (laughs) in that at the beginning right (laughs) And what would happen was I would kind of hand over this website copy or this branding copy. And what would happen was it would be well-received and people would want to pick my brain like Mm. a lot. And afterwards they'd be asking me things like, oh, okay, like, is there anywhere else I should be putting this? And, oh, but what about if someone comes back to me and says it's too much money or, you know, how can I write this for myself next time? And I was so like lit up by the work that I would be like, oh yeah, absolutely. Right. Here's what you want to do. (laughs) And I don't know, like giving away consulting and coaching Mm. for free essentially. But I know there's kind of so much chat nowadays of never work for free, this, that, the other, but actually what this process was able to show me was like I realized that the people I was serving had much much deeper challenges like Mm. they were trying to solve big sales problems or they were trying to actually avoid selling their services or selling their course or whatever they were trying to solve their problems with a new website yeah some new (laughs) captions 
Or a new logo. <laughs> or a new logo. I mean, that wasn't really my remit, but yes, there was, always, a, there was always a logo mm. going on somewhere or yeah. at least being talked about, which on its own doesn't work. And yeah. these conversations kind of in this, it was quite an organic transition period mm. from copywriter to copywriting and sales mm. coach and now mm. I kind of lean more into the sales coach but we do cover a lot of copywriting inside of yeah. our programs because it's all interconnected yeah yeah it just gave me such a great opportunity to understand like what that avoidance looked like yeah. what that fear looked like and also understand where there was a real lack of skills as well like mm. we it's very unusual at school to learn how to promote yourself and your ideas unless you know you're very privileged and you're part of a debating team or something mm. like that so that's a very long answer to your question I love a long answer <laughs> do you know when I'm on a podcast I'm, I'm generally so long-winded like reels are a nightmare for me I can't I can't talk in 15 or 30 seconds so I appreciate it's a long-winded enough. answer <laughs> is that uh, like special oh man especially about money or I don't know I think lots of things where it's like uh I can't I can't do it one of the questions I had for you was like did you always have this squirm free approach or is it something that developed so it sounds like from what you went into initially with copywriting you were already mindful of inclusivity and all of those things it's not something that you've come to later yeah pre-business I was always drawn to work with independently owned like grassroots companies and most like Yes, because it feels really good to be part of something that's making a positive impact and is making mm. a contribution to the world. But also because I, I found like as, a, as an employee, I wanted to be part of a team that kind of had a collective vision and sort of, I don't know, yeah. it just like melds you together as a team and makes you feel purposeful. And I think, yeah, the niche has become one of those words that kind of induces... <laughs> all sorts of feelings at this point but the the niche of of going into like women-owned brands who wanted to be inclusive from a gender perspective it just kind of happened by accident I'd love mm. to say like I'd love to be able to tell you that like oh yes it was a very strategic move mm. to choose like a niche around inclusivity but it just kind of happened because you know as a woman who is like straight passing and cisgender and thin and white I think people assumed that I would be well suited to write to their quote-unquote female audience mm. and so it was really great I remember working with a company who I I won't name them but I remember working with a company that was like an online directory for women-owned businesses mm. and it was you know, I found myself kind of giving a lot of pushback and doing sort of consulting throughout that process being like, hey, I'm not actually going to include that word that you suggested. And this is why. And I found that kind of education part really fulfilling. And mm. sometimes it was met like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. Like, this has got us thinking about how we can do more in our business. And other mm. times it was like, hey, that's not really important to us, in which case mm. it would be like, okay, well, I guess I'll wrap up this draft and see you later then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And do you think when you, like, coming to do the kind of squirm-free approach, and I love how you described that about it, the squirm-free approach being about freeing people from all the different things, because there's lots of things that leave us with that, like, 
kind of it's just not sitting right with us and sometimes obviously that's mindset and we can reconcile ourselves with the thing like realizing that you can sell in a way that is kind and inclusive and and not horrible yeah. and I do deserve the money for yeah, example exactly <laughs> and then sometimes it's like yeah yeah you really don't need to do that that thing it is awful you're right like it, there's that balance isn't there but do you think that that kind of the inclusivity aspect of all of this is a reason lots of people feel uncomfortable with selling because something in them is like this isn't fair or this isn't speaking to everybody yeah a hundred percent I think one of the things that is really just woven into the fabric of the way that we teach sales inside of our programs is consent and asking Mm. for permission because I think I'm, I'm sure that everyone listening to this can remember a time a specific time where they felt that their boundaries were overstepped in a sales situation. Mm. I I have this memory of being um, on holiday with my grandparents and I was about eight years old and my nan and I kind of got ushered into one of those timeshare meetings, you know, Mm. and they would not let us leave. And I remember like looking at my nan and seeing that she was stressed And there was this kind of man in a suit. And of course, I didn't really understand what's going on. But those experiences, you know, whether it's something that you've kind of absorbed as a child or whether it's something recent. Yeah, Yeah. maybe you were pressured into buying a car that was a bit too much of a stretch for you to Mm. afford. Maybe you were pressured into taking out a loan that wasn't really a good fit for you. There's yeah, there are very, very real circumstances and very real experiences. And I think that a lot of business owners, especially women business owners, they hold back because of the fear that they are going to replicate that feeling for someone else, right? And make someone else feel that way before we kind of layer on like, very often there's a power imbalance at Mm. play in those relationships and just, yeah, all the things. When we're kind of teaching people, you know, doing our square free sales training inside of our programs. It's really about how can we make sure that consent is solicited over and over and over mm-hmm. again throughout the entire sales process. And that goes from right at the beginning from, let's say you put up a story on your Instagram that says, Hey, I'm looking to, you know, I'm opening up three 30 minute spots in my calendar to plan your goals. Let me know if you want one of the spots and maybe you pop a little poll up. Yes. Heck yes. I want one. And then before like you dash in and be like, great, here's a link to my calendar instead following up and being like, Hey, thanks for tapping. Yes. Would it be okay if I popped across a link so that you can book in a spot, right? It's it's such a small step. Yeah but it makes a massive difference. People will respond to you a gajillion times better. And it means that you're only getting like enthusiastic yeses from people, not like, yeah, kind of. Because when you have lots of those, yeah, kind of going on, it's it's bad for you as a salesperson too, because that feeling of rejection, like it's it's not fun. (laughs) I want to add another one of those permission adding things. If you're going to voice note someone you've not spoken to, please ask their permission first. I really find it hard getting a voice note from someone I've never met. Don't get me wrong, I'd rather never type again. 
I'm happy for a voice note. I just want a quick type of like, would you mind if I sent you a voice note? And generally the answer is like, of course not. Like it's those little things because it can feel quite a lot to get a voice note in your inbox when it's not somebody you know. 100%, 100%. <laughs> also from an accessibility point of view, right? Yes. Not everyone can access voice notes and Absolutely. it takes like two seconds. Hey, do you mind if I drop you a quick yeah. voice note about this? Because you're right, it can feel so daunting to mm. open up your DMs. And of course, you can only do one minute on flipping DMs, oh, can't you? And it's Instagram. a blessing and a curse. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's when you, you carry on, don't you? And you go, oh, balls, when did that stop? What's going on? Yeah, hmm, when did I finish that? But, you know, if you open up your DMs and you see like three voice notes there, yeah. that's a big commitment that yes. you're expecting from someone for them to take three minutes out of their day to listen to you to kind of process and mm. respond and yeah a quick a quick hey is it okay if goes a long long way and then of course like as you get deeper into the sales process it becomes more and more important mm. right so mm. before we at the beginning of a sales conversation for example if you do sales calls in your business or discovery calls whatever you like to call them at the beginning just framing that call really clearly so that you're setting expectations up front. So, hey, we've got 30 minutes together today. I'd love to ask you some questions to get to know your business better. We'll talk about your goals and what's preventing you from getting there right now. And towards the end of the call, if it feels in alignment, I will walk you through the services that I currently offer and make a recommendation on what I think could be the best fit for you at this time. Is that okay with you? Yeah, yeah. It's 30 seconds. There's a few things going on there because not only are you asking for consent, but also you're kind of holding yourself as a salesperson to account to actually follow through on that promise that you make at the beginning of the call. Because yeah. that's another part of the squirminess, right? That that mindset-based stuff, that fear stuff that you spoke about a moment ago. And when we bring consent in and when there's like constant setting and resetting of mm. expectations throughout that process, it can be really empowering yeah, for you as a absolutely. salesperson and for the person who you're yeah. having that conversation with. Yeah. There's a, another thing I ask, I always do on my calls, and I was just taught this really early on. I, I will get onto this in a minute, but I'm actually, I'm still unlearning a lot of like, I don't think I've ever been doing really problematic stuff. I've always checked in my gut, but there's things that I've done now previously that I wouldn't do now. But weirdly, one of the things I learned in when I was do, learning how to do those like clarity calls or connection calls, whatever you want to call them, is to ask at the end, like, when can I call you? When can I get back in contact with you? Like, can I can I contact you in three days? Would Thursday be good? And what's lovely about that is, is absolutely you're asking consent. So they're not feeling like, oh, my goodness, now she's harassing me, wanting me to do the call because they might go actually no I, I I don't want to do it I've decided now on the call and you go okay that's fine and then you know you're not chasing them but also it stops that chasing feeling I always joke with my clients that it's like um like not that I've done any kind of dating for a really long time but it reminds me pre-tinder when I was like I was gonna say on the market that's horrible <laughs> um, <laughs> when I was single I would you know you've got that thing of like when do I text what do I do like is this too long whereas if you just say Obviously, it's better for that person because they've consented to you contacting them again. But also, it's better for you. I said I contact them on Thursday. They said yes. I'm contacting them on Thursday. It takes away that squirm, like you're talking about, that kind of like, oh my god, am I doing this right? Is this okay? Because you've already you got it out in the open. You're talking about it. A hundred percent. And you know, just like dating, it is. It's relationship building, yeah. right? And 
you know, the sales process, it kind of is your dating period where you're making a decision of like, hey, are we going to make a go of this or what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Okay, so this leads me nicely on to what really annoys you (laughs) about the, probably, I guess, the online coaching industry, but it could just be the online business stuff. Is there stuff that you just think like, oh, when are we going to stop doing this? How long have you got? <laughs> That's what my answer was. Like, Where do we start? <laughs> it's tempting to to approach it that way, isn't it? And and the reality is, I am so grateful that it is possible to run a business online. Mm. Like especially we're recording this in you know month thirteen of UK <laughs> lockdown with yes. with sort of promises of opening back up soon being dangled in front of us as we're keeping our fingers crossed. And yeah, whilst there are definitely all sorts of like icky things and things that just make my entire body clench about the online business, especially coaching world, there is so much I'm grateful for. So I don't want to like just bash it <laughs> without saying that first. I've got a very, ni- <laughs> I've got a very nice follow up question to this. Though. So if anyone hears what what Kate's about to say, and maybe I'm going to say as well, and feels like, oh god, I do that. We're going to talk about that next. <laughs> what to do when you're like oh but I'm doing that so yeah but on but honestly like if I could narrow it down to the number one thing it's this piece around the expectation of overnight success mm. of immediate ROI yeah I think that's quite a unique thing to the online space because you know online equals immediate doesn't it you pop it in you pop in your amazon order Mm. and then you know sometimes it comes the same day do you know what i mean you put up the post you get the lovely dopamine hits as soon Mm -hmm. as the lights start rolling in and this kind of expectation has been set in like the online space for that immediate overnight roi and you know I think this is where the coaching industry sort of, I think is a massive contributor to that. There Mm. is so much messaging around like, oh, this time last week I was in my basement apartment and, you know, no one had ever heard of me and I just worked really, really hard and look, ta-da, now I have a Louis Vuitton handbag. And I do feel like the expectation being set for, hey, you're going to, do this coaching program and then you're going to immediately make your money back times 10 or you're going to put up you're going to send out this one email and it's going to completely you know magically connect with all of your leads in 20 minutes or less and this this need for for quick for immediate it's leaving people discouraged it's leaving people disillusioned it's not a realistic expectation. Mm-hmm. Part of growing the business is about like riding out the rough patches, figuring yeah. shit out when it doesn't work. Yeah. And to calibrate on your results rather than on some stranger's results who just happens to have an extra zero on their screenshots of their income or yeah. has an extra 100,000 followers than you. That kind of comparison overnight success piece is just like, Oh, it's almost like, you know, when you've had a pair of headphones in the bottom of your pocket for a long time or in the bottom of your handbag and you pull them out and they're just so messy and you're like, where do I even begin? (laughs) Yeah, they're sticky. (laughs) They've got crumbs on them. (laughs) And you're like, where do I even begin with unraveling this? And something that 
we're trying to make a, a real conscious effort to do both in our like client relationships and actually we're having a conversation about this on our coaching call inside our Square Free Sales Masters program yesterday, but also in our marketing is to tell stories about when something was messy, when something didn't work. And yeah. I've held events where no one turned up. I've done launches where no one bought and mm. it needs to be normalized. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting as well, because my story was a little bit overnight success. So I started my business and then what I made, I had my first, I can never remember exactly. I think I had my first 10 grand months within the first six months anyway, not quite overnight, but it was super fast. But the bit that I do tell this story, because I think it's super important too. The bit that if you just heard that, you might think, but Ray, you started making like money so fast. And yeah, I did, but it took me ages to figure out how to make that consistent. Like another two years before every month was that amount. And there were months where I was like, you know, oh my God, what am I going to do? I hit this. I don't think I'm ever going to hit it again. It's so difficult. You might have one really good month and that's very exciting. It's why I always say when I see posts that are like, I made however much in however many days, I'm like, cool. Now tell me what went wrong on the way. Tell me like what happened before that, because that isn't that interesting, actually. Like it's a moment, but what happened the next month? Did you make it again? Like what's what's go, what's the bigger story there? And I also think that the chasing overnight success stuff, what you can do is you make a load of money and maybe you do hit a high number, but if you haven't got the infrastructure in your business, it's not gonna, you're not gonna sustain it. It's gonna fall apart. So actually slow growth is way better way more sustainable 100 percent. yes the infrastructure at the beginning of this year in the past three months we've hired three full-time employees and they're kind of like really putting that infrastructure in to take us to a million this year mm. is the goal and there's the infrastructure in the business like upgrading systems upgrading tech hiring like hiring employees hiring experts then there's also like the infrastructure for you as the leader like my role has changed massively over the past yeah. few years you know in three years I've gone from done for you implementation kind of through coaching and now I'm growing into this new role of being like brand ambassador leader manager visionary and actually the thing that I'm having to learn to do is to get out of the way of my team so that I don't stunt our growth or our consistency moving forward and it's like this what is actually required is just like constant adaptation and yeah. like you say every time something's going well we want to be asking like well what else is going on <laughs> what else is going not so well because it's like okay, right, we've got this plate spinning. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Now that one's looking a little bit shaky. And it's just a constant, I don't want to say like balancing act because balance is bullshit. I guess it's like a constant like integration. It, yeah. it doesn't stop, does it? Yeah, yeah. Natalie Miller, who I used to do coaching with, often talked about the fact that you would constantly be breaking your business. Like as you're going through things, it's going like, oh God, that doesn't work anymore. Oh, and that it's a good thing but it's work obviously. <laughs> and I love that. I really hold on to that. Like this idea that we're constantly breaking our businesses. <laughs> That's so accurate. I love that. Um, okay. So you've recently launched your own podcast, which is very exciting called study notes, right? But we'll link to that um, obviously in the show notes. And you talked about on there, your first episode was about toxic abundance. 
can you that was it wasn't it toxic abundance <laughs> i've actually got a podcast episode called why i hate the word abundance so oh my gosh i know if you haven't listened to that and you're listening to this go listen to both of those episodes we've actually got quite different takes on it but i think they are really good like two different sides of the same discussion yeah can you tell me a bit about what you mean by toxic abundance oh yes 100 percent. and it's i i love that you highlight that because there are so many like there are so many words within the online business building especially coaching space that are like charged mm. right mm. and abundance or oh, it has such charge for me and I feel like it is so it's interpreted so so differently mm. and for me what I'm trying to I guess speak to with this phrase toxic abundance is the idea that having an abundant mindset alone is enough to get you towards your goals yes and that idea is something that I see and hear being perpetuated a lot right yeah. and especially as kind of the the trend toward oh no I don't want to minimize that by saying it's a trend I take that back but the um growth of the mindset coaching side mm. of things because yeah mindset is woven into everything mm. but like the mindset manifestation kind of coaching niche very often sells the idea that you know oh, the what you have to do is just focus on what you want and think abundant thoughts and you know have faith that anything is possible and send it out into the universe and oh well if it's not working then you must just not be being positive enough and your mindset is not abundant enough and it just ends up being a new way to tell usually women that they're not good enough yeah and we've been socialized to receive that message so willingly yeah and accept it and be like <laughs> yeah. oh yeah well of course always. it's me yeah. <laughs> always me i listened to your podcast episode and i kept thinking of another podcast i'd listened to ages ago and it was by a real like somebody who's very in that world of like the manifesting and abundance and she had this guest on it was so good she had this guest on who really disagreed with her and oh, so she was sad. like but I don't really work I'm already sold <laughs> it was brilliant <laughs> she was like but you know I don't I just have all this money but I don't even work and this woman was like I'm on your podcast what do you mean you don't work and she was like but this doesn't feel like work and she was like but it is don't make out like you just sat here and people found your courses and bought them and you did no work. And this woman was like, oh, well, <laughs> it was amazing. Good on her for putting it out, to be fair. You're going to have yeah. to send me that afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get, I don't want to say who it is because I don't want to send people no, to the no, podcast, no. but I'll send it to you. <laughs> but, but, this is, but this is what I mean. Like the, I, don't, I think actually there's like some commonality between the expectation for overnight success and the expectation that, you know, mindset and visualization alone is going to get you there. There is like a real mismanagement of expectations mm. in, yeah, the, the online space, the coaching space, especially. And I think this sort of underhand blaming and shaming clients for not working on their mindset enough or not dreaming big enough or not mm. you know visualizing specifically enough and yeah. putting that blame at the feet of the people that 
are supposed to be feeling empowered is like it's really tricky to reconcile that and then that's kind of before you even get to the fact that if I speak to this a little bit in this episode like if someone really is like strapped for cash and I want to be very clear there's a difference between being strapped for cash or being broke and you know coming from poverty those are very different things and at the time that I was kind of starting out my business and you know was trying to get my feet under the table as a freelance copywriter and was starting that pivot into sales coaching cash was tight but I had a roof over my head like I'm very privileged to have a good education and to have had an upbringing that's given me gifts like resilience and stuff like that and so that's important to acknowledge but even then if someone had told me when you know I I basically ate like ramen for like five days a week and you know I had got really really crafty with how to get to networking events on like two for one and stuff like that and it was penny pinching I had to be thrifty at that time if someone had dared come and tell me that my mindset wasn't abundant enough I'm not sure how much I can curse but I would have been fuming yeah and that would have felt so insulting Mm. and I would have felt so unseen in that moment like do you have any idea how far I'm stretching yeah like every dollar every pound at the moment and so when the focus is on abundant mindset only and it's not put into context and it's not kind of paired with context and action and there isn't flexibility in that yeah that's when it becomes toxic for me. I like the idea of expansive mindset more or like not even mindset, but just like I always call it expanding your expectations. So that like Love that. We, we talk about in my courses, like not all the stories because they're ongoing, but you unravel the stuff and then you move into expanding your expectations. Because I think the other thing with the abundant stuff is it kicks you into like, like you said, if someone was to say like, think more abundantly, think more abundantly, it actually very easily kicks you into a place of um, like not feeling safe like to expand that fast and to move yourself away from where you actually are at speed there's no psychological safety in that and actually people grow their businesses from the best when they have some form of psychological safety and that's going to look different for different people but yeah it's complicated the thing that um, a coach said to me because my business started out from a really tricky money place with our family like we couldn't afford food for the family we're having to borrow it from family and friends and somebody said you just really need to let go of the need for money Ray and I was like I'll tell my kids to let go of the need for food you don't need food guys you need to think more abundantly like just what what are we we're gonna fill our tummies with abundance <laughs> mm, so tasty and filling <laughs> oh I still think about that all the time it's like oh my god okay so a slightly different question what in fact we are we're coming to an end really I've got so much still to ask you but well, time has gone really fast so I'll ask you this one more question then I have some quick fire questions that I ask at the end so what do you feel like have been the biggest shifts that have occurred in your business, in your mindset, in in whatever it is that have allowed you to make more money? Okay. So for me, I think it's definitely been unlearning the belief that it's selfish Mm. and instead kind of moving into an understanding that and an appreciation for when I am well paid, everyone benefits. Yeah. Everyone, like when I win, everyone else wins. When I'm well paid, it means that 
yeah, like there's no one around me who loses out when I'm doing well. And I think very often we're taught that like, oh, if you're doing well, then someone else must be losing out. And actually that's not how it works, right? When I'm well paid, it can become fuel for generosity. So it means I can pay my team well. It means that I can get everyone a new laptop when they join the company. It Mm. means that we can do surprise and delight moments for our clients. Mm. It means that, yeah, we can send gifts to people when they Mm. surpass their goals or whatever as a surprise. It means that we can invest in new software so that people get a better experience. It means that I can, you know, take better care of myself. I recently started working with a personal trainer I've had all kinds of like pain and stuff going on in my hips and lower back for quite some time and it was really affecting my ability to show up and work yeah. truthfully and you know since I've been able to invest in that everyone's benefiting I'm in a better mood like mm. I'm not stacking up my husband anymore <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm able to show up more fully in the business and I think like for me that's probably the yeah the the biggest shift Mm. is this idea of like shifting from well if I'm paid I'm taking like I'm taking something from someone and there's going to be people losing out and instead understanding that more money means more fuel to be generous yeah absolutely I just realized as well if you've got time for me to ask you one more question is that okay because I missed the question I did want to ask because I know and I love those answers by the way I think one of the things I think about a lot is all the energy and we will both know this because we've both been in those positions of heart like being hard up but all the energy that goes to worrying about how you're going to pay for something oh my god like it's so much and if we're using that energy somewhere else because that's cared for that's enormous it is consuming it is consuming I can remember having like 12 quid in change Mm. and figuring out how I was going to do a weekly shop in Tesco on 12 quid and literally I must have spent like an hour and a half two hours on like online figuring out everything so that I didn't look like a dick or feel like one walking around Tesco's like you know with a calculator and I just went in and it's yeah it is it takes so much energy it takes so much energy and being able to reclaim that kind of time and not having to yeah focus on those decisions so much it creates so much more space to give either give back to myself give to others you know give to clients give to team and oh yeah I hadn't thought about that in a while yeah (laughs) it's a lot isn't it so the question I hadn't asked was because I know that with my audience with my community one of the things that comes up is that when we see these posts and there's more of them coming and I think that's really positive posts saying like oh try not to market like this don't do that maybe this isn't okay and we're realizing like oh my god I think I've done that I think I am complicit in holding up these these kind of structures and all of that sort of stuff what is your kind of advice for people when they get that feeling of like, oh, oh no, I'm doing it. I, I'm, and that guilt and shame that comes with that. What, what can they do with that? Oh, I love this. And yeah, I immediately I'm thinking of Kelly Deals. She's mm. an amazing 
feminist business coach. She also has a great feminist copyright certificate, copywriting certification. And she has this phrase that has just stuck to me, stuck with me rather, which is we are all in the water. And so we are all wet. Mm -hmm. And hearing her say that it was, or I think it's just so powerful. And I just find that phrase to be such a gift. Mm. And yeah, to, to acknowledge that, right. Because no one, no one is, you know, pops out of the womb with like a complete understanding of how to do everything in a way that is empowering to everyone. And the reality is that the goalposts, if you like, are constantly shifting as well yeah. as society is changing. And something that maybe would have, you know, would have been quote unquote, okay, like 10, 15 years ago, it just doesn't serve people anymore. Yeah. And I can think there are so many things that I've changed in Mm. my business based on my, yeah, understanding. And the reality is we can only do the best we can at the time with the resources we have available. And whether that resource is money or whether that resource is information and knowledge. And so when you get new information, it's like, okay, I have a choice now. Do I decide to ignore it or do I decide to do something with it? And the, yeah, kind of, it almost brings us back to what I was saying at the beginning, like squirm free is a journey and not a destination. And I think that goes for for everything, right? Mm. And actually there was a post by, oh gosh, Maggie, I can't remember her surname right now, small business boss on Instagram. And she, and she posts, Patterson. Hi Maggie, shout out to Maggie. (laughs) (laughs) And she made a post a few weeks ago about payment plans. And she, I mean, she's a great marketer. She Mm. definitely can write an attention grabbing headline and get people talking. And she wrote this post that was like, payment plans are a poor tax, was essentially mm, kind of her yeah. her lead in on that. And what was really interesting is I, yeah, like, I mean, I've never really applied great big payment plan payments. I think the most I've ever done is like 100 quid or something. Yeah. And so... so, yeah, and now we actually just build it in and we, we only add additional late fees if and when payments are actually Mm. significantly late but I have noticed that there is like this growing trend of like sometimes payment plans cost like one two three four five thousand in addition there's a, a group that I'm in and her post got shared in there it's like a Voxer chat that I'm in and someone was like oh my gosh I'm so triggered by Mm. this and so, you know, if you do feel affronted with something, mm. know that it's not an attack on you. It's it's just information and you get to decide what to do with it moving forward. Yeah. And it's so interesting because like you mentioned Kelly Deals earlier. One of the things I've really learned is I agree with a lot of what Kelly says. Occasionally I don't. And I know that she would not be bothered by that in any way. She'd be like, that really does, doesn't agree with me. She, she like occasionally she says something and I'll sit with it. I get that feeling that kind of like, oh, God, oh, no. And then, and, and often I'm like, oh yeah, no, she's totally right. I really agree with that. And sometimes I'm struggling to think what it was, but I know there's been one thing where I was like, I don't actually agree with that. 
And I think it's really important. And also to know that in a year or two, maybe I'll come round and be like, oh no, she was totally right. But it's so important to check in with yourself on what you think on it as well. And not, because I think there's so many opinions, many of them contradictory, that if we're just outsourcing all the time, it's like, like you say, take that moment, realize it's information, it's not personal. And, and you may, it's okay to go, I actually don't agree with that. Yeah, 100%. And kind of when you take that information being like, okay, well, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to, am I going to choose to, you know, do I agree with this? Am I going to choose to do something with it? If yes, what am I going to do? But if it's a no, and you're like, no, actually, I don't agree with that, to then set it aside, yeah. right? Yes. Rather than kind of keep half yeah. stewing on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. no one wins when you're doing that, right? Yeah. Like you could be putting that energy into something way more. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you could have an extra half hour in bed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and and like there's many of those things that over time I've actually come back to and gone, no, they were right. They were totally right. But for whatever reason, I wasn't ready to hear it yet. And that doesn't mean that I'm not working on other stuff, but there's also so much. And we are sometimes going to react from you know not the healthiest of places with that and I think we actually have to make a bit of space for that a little bit of space to be like you know what I was really human at that point and I didn't do what I should have done but I'm doing it now and I mean there's nothing really that fun about being like oh gosh there we go my internalized patriarchal beliefs are showing realizing that like it doesn't it doesn't always feel good like you say you just have to sit with it for a bit and be okay with the fact that like oh I wish I had been doing it this way all along well wish away (laughs) but but we can't undo what's done but what we can do is decide like okay I'm going to change this moving forward based on what I know now Yeah, love that. Thank you for that. I think that's such an important discussion because I know, I mean, I know there'll be people who avoid probably both of our works. They're like, I can't, I can't, I can't look at this. And I get that. I've been there many times. When I first came across Kelly Deals, I was like, I can't look at this. I'm sure I'm doing it all wrong. (laughs) I really remember that. And I'm now a big fan of what she does. So quick fire questions. Some of these are like, just finish off a sentence. Some of them are, yeah, some of them are ridiculous. So the first one is, finish this sentence, money is? Energy. Mm, Nice one. Favourite book you've read recently? It can be anything. It doesn't need to be a business book. Although I'll probably buy it if it is, because I've got a problem. But it can be a (laughs) recipe book or it can be a fiction. No, I tell you what, leaders eat last. I have an obsession with Simon Sinek at the moment, like an actual, <laughs> have, you, have you read him? Watch out, Simon. Yeah, I know. I keep saying like, I don't, I promise I don't fancy him. I just keep talking about him like I've got a crush on him. Have you read Infinite Game? Yeah. I haven't yet. It's in, yeah, it's on the list. You virtually quoted it a number of times and I was going to mention it to you at the end of the call because you've said so much stuff. And I think it'd be one of those ones where you're like, yes. Yes, that. I'm a big a Okay, big I'm, I'm reprioritizing my list. The impact of women making money is? Ooh, choice and freedom. Mm, I love that as well. Okay, this is slightly more off topic. If you could eat one thing for the rest of your life, it can be a dish or an actual just... It's pizza. Food. Pizza. It, it's pizza. <laughs> pizza, reheated pizza is the best thing in the entire world. Reheat. I don't think I've ever had reheat. I like cold pizza in the Reheated morning. Reheated the proper way, meaning like in a heavy bottom pan on the stovetop. Mm. Just like heat up the pan, 
yeah flick in a bit of water just like a little bit so it sizzles and it would just slightly rehydrate the crust you're going to put it crust down first so like you know right way up yeah and then you know when it starts to just touch it and you'll just see the cheese start to melt again on the top that is your cue to flip that bad boy over yes this is the most in-depth answer we've had and I am really here for it. And then you're going to see like the cheese will start to crust up along the side and then you want to, you have to do it and you have to be brave. You have to flip it back over in one swift movement and you have like a perfectly reheated piece of pizza that has like crispy melted cheese on the top and I'm actually salivating now. <laughs> Just, I'm, I'm going to have to like tell my, get my husband to listen to this very part because he's the cook in the house. Also, I don't know if all the way through the podcast people have been able to hear my kids, but I've got a lot of kids around today. So if you could just hear my child, that was quite loud. <laughs> one child here is incredibly loud he got his lungs from his father cool he yeah wants, that's amazing he wants pizza <laughs> he, pro- he probably does it's pretty much all he eats okay and then the last one is the best bit of money advice or business advice that you've ever been given or Ooh. I always say that you can actually remember <laughs> quickly <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to like rush you I mean like I'm always like I don't know what have people said to me oh my gosh to look at data oh yeah to look at data um yeah big empath and in my feels a lot of the time and so that reminder to always look at data first is yeah 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 I love that I was I avoided that for a long time and once I got into it I was like this is so much fun and you can really see then like the amount of times and I talk about this all the time that we make like a launch not working so personal it's because no one likes me it's because I'm rubbish at this and actually it's like, like, you look at the data and you're like oh, no I just that? didn't have I only spoke to 14 leads that's right. why yeah. actually exactly exactly <laughs> well there was a point where something fell down and people were dropping off it's so important and it's not the sexy thing but I think it gets sexy when you get into it oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) it gets quite joyful okay thank you so much it's been so much fun to chat to you some more and can you let people know where they can find you and obviously we'll link that at the bottom of the page as well yeah sure oh right thank you so much I can't believe the time I'm I like know, we've we talked for ages I know but we like I feel like we've only just got warmed up but yeah thank you so much for having me and for this conversation if you'd like to connect with me I'm at it's Katie Prince over on Instagram if you want to check out the study notes podcast you can head to studynotespodcast.com or if you fancy working with me on developing your sales skills you can head to squirmfreesales.com forward slash apply Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for listening to that episode of uh, Money Making Women. Forgot the name of my own podcast for a second there. As I said at the beginning of the episode, just a reminder that today we have launched, the day that this podcast came out anyway, we have launched a brand new pricing workshop. So if that's something you're interested in, head to the show notes and you can grab yours right there. If you're listening to this later, don't worry, we've got you. You can still grab it at half price when you sign up to my newsletter. Thank you again for being here, for sharing about the podcast and for being part of what we do. I'll see you next week. (laughs) 